2: Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 63, Neighbors. This week, Bob starts to look into the new possibilities on potential suspects. And where did he start? With the neighbors. This episode has drummed up a lot of theories, and Bob, Janet, and myself are here to discuss them. All right, and
1: thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, A couple little housekeeping things up front. One, uh, there's a couple posts where people were having issues with ads um, that were like, Coming in in a different language in some hmm. cases, uh, and and some that were like uh, a, a couple people said that they had ads that were like dropping in like in the middle of a sentence somewhere. Hmm. Um, just want to let you guys like I'm I'm letting Audio Boom know about those those glitches. Uh, that is not anything to do with what the our, our volunteers that are doing the ad rips or that um, Kelly who does the um, ad markers for the current episodes as she's putting them out. The way it works is we put a marker in where we want the ads to go. Mm-hmm. And that's all we do. After mm. that, it is the software with an audio boom system that is supposed to select a, an appropriate ad and put it in, in the place we told it to put it. And sometimes there are just glitches in that software. So, um, you know, it could have to do, you know, I know one person I talked to like has Starlink, which I have, which uses like a dynamic VPN, which are a dynamic IP address, which means, it's always saying that you're somewhere other than where you actually are. Hmm. Uh, and so the, when you download the episode, if it if you're in Southwest Michigan and it thinks you're in Montana, it might play you a ad for a local car dealership in Montana because hmm. it thinks that's where you're there. But uh, hopefully those things will get worked out and mostly it should be the and pretty soon we're going to start having like normal like host read ads that I'm going to read that would just be baked in that won't be part of the marker system. But this is just kind of bridge the gap for that. So. But anyway, if you're experiencing that, that should get uh get get squared away hopefully pretty soon. Um otherwise just you know just skip on past them and uh <laughs> or, or join Patreon and they're ad free. The Patreon episodes yes, are ad free. And you get that hour of pre show chat. Um thank you, Angela and Michelle, for the super chats on, on YouTube. Um and again, if you guys are wanting to participate in in real time, uh check us out. we usually we're trying to do these on Tuesday evenings. Uh, at where we record these live on YouTube. Um, and, and other, than I, I, I think I want to just bring up here too something that I just very briefly, something I mentioned in our pre-show conversation, which is that, you know, we are, we're, we're coming up on the end of season 12. Um, and, and just to be very transparent with you guys, like, that you know, the end of a season is always very difficult for me. Um, because of course, you know, we start off and we always want to end the season with, um, you know the a, a grand conclusion something something that's that's actionable that's happening um even though i know that that's 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 usually not the case we continue to work on the cases you know look look at ed's case you know we ended season 2 it was a year and a half later ed got out um season 3 you know it was a, it was almost 2 years after the fact that uh, we got troy troy recanted his his testimony uh, the west memphis 3 was a couple years later when we got the the case back into court um, so we continue working on the cases uh, while we're doing it. But this one, um just just to let you guys know again, in 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 the interest of transparency, like they for alternate suspects, I have a lot of leads. Uh, several of them from several people are kind of pointing in one direction. Very difficult for me to navigate because nobody wants to go on the record, some of whom are scared, some of who uh, just don't want you know don't want to be identified as a yeah. source and so then that leaves me with if i tried to talk about this as an alternate suspect it, it leaves me with unverified sources or un un, mm-hmm. un um unsourced material uh, uh without being on the record just kind of dragging people's names through the mud and i'm not willing to do that um as I mentioned in the in, the, in our pre-show, that uh, you know, there, I can do it in a way on a legal standpoint where it's it's not it's not illegal, it's not defamation of character or anything like that, but it's still on a moral standpoint. I don't like doing it, and I'm just not going to do that. Um, but also, you should know that I'm you know I've I've been reaching out to tons of contact. This was the point in the season where. You know, I have the information I need. I know the right questions to ask. I know the right people to ask them of, and I've just been desperately reaching out to these people, yeah, and just not getting responses. You know, one one of the one of the people that I've wanted to talk to this whole season and now really, really badly want to talk to is um is tiffany, um for for some background to ask and ask yeah. some questions and 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 also just to give her a voice if if she wants to. Um, and just have not, you know, I, I don't know if she's getting the messages. I don't know anything, but I have not many. I've tried every phone number, every email, Facebook, everything I can come up with to try to get a hold of her. Yeah. Um, so just so you guys know that stuff is going on, um, trying to get these, get somebody on the record to talk about some of these, uh, these issues that are, that are going on in the case. Um, but without that, you know, we're all, we are very close to wrapping up the season. Um, I've got another, uh, alternate suspect, you know stuff that is documented that I'm going to discuss this week, uh, and then we're hoping to hear from um, at least Robert and some of Robert's family, uh, and then we'll probably be wrapping here in the next few weeks unless something breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just just know that when that happens, that we're not done. That's just right. you know I we we hit this point where that there are things that are happening, but there aren't things that are happening that I can talk about for 40 minutes every week, and so right. we're gonna, we we move on on the podcast to. Uh, our next endeavor and we keep working on it behind the scenes until something breaks open. So that stuff that's that's coming up very soon. I am very excited about season 13. As I mentioned, it's going to be something very different than we've ever done before. Uh, and it is going to be heavily leaning on all of you uh, where I think we can make direct impact in people's lives, um, you know, in, in much shorter form. I'll say mm-hmm. that and then we'll go, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. And we'll get into that once we start season 13. And with that being said, let's get back into episode 63. What do you guys think about this uh, this Jackie Grosjean situation? Or this Grosjean. Jackie Grosjean
2: situation? <laughs> yeah. Well... If you want to start with me, I can. Absolutely. Sure. That's not where I was going to start. I was going to start with some of the other things. Oh, yeah. But... Do that, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wherever you want. I'm... <laughs> well, I think it was really interesting to, just to hear how much activity is going up there, how much police activity is. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times are being called? I think that's something that we needed to know a long time ago. Yeah. I think that's something the police should have looked into more. It, when you hear that there's all these things happening, this this party, this uh, obviously the woman was picked up she was not part of this. They know that she was in custody, yeah. but just all these things that continue to happen. And that's literally the day of. Yeah. So who knows what's happened weeks before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then the phone calls that he, he looked up the phone records for two months after the murders. That doesn't.
1: No, looked up. Yeah. Looked up for nine one, one calls to the scene. Yeah. And, th- and that was confusing to me because it said that the reports dated, I think December 1st or something like mm-hmm. that. um It's definitely in December, but it says from this date, From September 18th through this date. And I was like, why? Hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: I I don't understand why he was looking at just 911 calls to a burned down house after it was burned down instead of like beforehand. Yeah.
3: So so he wasn't referencing the neighborhood at all. It was just specifically the house.
1: Yeah. For that part of it, he listed in the report that he had pulled all calls to the neighborhood for the week leading up to the murder and then any 911 calls to the actual crime scene. From it says from this date from September seventeenth or whatever that through this date, yeah,
3: and that literally just doesn't yeah, don't actually make any sense
2: Mm-mm. whatsoever. Maybe he misspoke. And, and, and the reason the police never talked to any of these people is just baffling to me. Like I can't, I don't, I don't get it. Like why would you not, especially like the Ellises, yeah, who have you know a known, I don't, I don't want to say problem, but a known problem, yeah. Like why would you not go talk to them?
1: Oh, oh and it, what's frustrating to me is is the aforementioned. You know, uh, sources that have kind of come come forward without going on the record. Like everything I've heard about this case from people that think they know what happened. uh, One, there's a common theme. Two, it all revolves around people in that neighborhood. Mm. All of them. There's there's not a common theme to all of them. There's Mm -hmm. a couple a couple, but but all of them are regarding people in that in the neighborhood. And. The, the idea for, for a multitude of reason, the idea that they didn't go door to door and like Zach has pulled up right now. If you haven't seen it on our website, there's an aerial image that I put together to give you some perspective on the crime scene. You can see like even the, there's not it's not like there's a whole lot of houses there. It's not like like, say, the West Memphis three case where they had to canvas hundreds of houses, mm-hmm. you know, like to go knock on doors and start talking to people.
2: It, it's just mind numbing to me mm-hmm. that they didn't do that. No, it absolutely. It, it, and and I mean, is did they give a reason why they didn't no, at all? No, <sighs> it's disgusting.
1: They, well, at trial, it just kind of you know there was the whole the prosecutor trying to defend that, basically just kind of he like he made it seem like it was an insane request, right? The way he presented is it, it like, oh, they're just like you know why didn't you do this? Why didn't you check for surveillance cameras? Like, wait, you just. They, you know, these, you you, well, you can't, you, he used some analogy at some point. I can't remember what it was, but it was, mm-hmm. something like, why don't you see if Martians, you know, it was like something crazy like that. Right. I don't remember what it was, but it was like this big, like, as though knocking on someone's door who lives 300 yards away from the crime scene is synonymous at, to whatever crazy random thing that they, they suggested. That's how they, that's how it was explained.
3: Right. Um just really quickly I see some uh, stuff in the live YouTube that um in the episode it's I I don't remember but I guess maybe this conversation about when the dispatch records were pulled like not the old dispatch records but the dispatch records that are in question for that day um that it seemed like you were saying they were pulled much much later but folks um in YouTube are saying that they were pulled the very next day in the morning the dispatch logs to 911 from oh, that were, general area,
1: I would have to. Well, Zach's got him up right now. If you can look up and see, because what what I saw, is the report was written on December in December. Um we we'll scroll down to the bottom of that. So
3: the records there. could have been pulled right away, but the report he never like when I, we talked. I, yeah, I didn't see anywhere on
1: there where it said where they were pulled, and, and if I met, report, Kristen date. says that date was
3: is right at the top.
1: Date oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. So I stand no, above that, up in the header, uh, it says report date Monday, September eighteenth. Below mm-hmm. th- right there. Okay, okay yeah. Yep. So that so th- that's my that's my mistake. So the report was written in December. Um and then of course you have all the dates and times down there. But yeah, underneath the where it says data warehouse reports on the top, underneath that it says report date Monday the eighteenth. So that that's that's a correction, my mistake. They were pulled then. He just didn't write the report until Mm -hmm. December. The date on the report is December. Yeah, which that makes me feel better.
3: Yeah, thanks, y'all. Thanks for that heads up. That's really important. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I did, I guess I didn't weigh in, uh, because I just wanted to address that as soon as I saw Mm -hmm. it, because obviously there's always a lot going on and it's hard to scroll backwards when you're also managing the conversation and the pre-written questions from Facebook. So I wanted to get into that, but, um, yeah, some, there were definitely some clarification questions that kind of actually paves the way towards some other clarification questions that have come up on the Facebook post. Um, Zach, you mentioned in the, in the, uh, in the intro that there were theories. Um, I don't have as many like theory theories as, as questions, although there are a couple in here. So I'm, I don't know if there was more posted that didn't make it onto the follow up, but was more just people having theories that they posted on the main truth and justice Facebook page. So if I missed something in there and you guys want to bring that into the conversation, please feel free.
1: Well, let's go through the questions you have and then we'll see what's left. Because there's, there's there's a whole lot of discussion that's been going on in different threads and different places about what Jackie heard you know, what that could mean. Yeah. Um, But we'll see what we get through with.
3: Yeah, there are definitely. Yeah. In fact, I was going to start with Jackie. So um, yeah, why don't we go ahead and do that? Um, Just as a kind of bird's eye view, uh, Kristen says, can you go over Jackie's timeline again? I thought she said when she heard her donkey, she looked out and saw the house on fire and went to check the Freedleys and fire trucks were already there. I'm confused about when she heard what she thought was a fire truck to when she went to the burning house.
1: So she said, if memory serves that she said she went to bed at nine thirty, and it was shortly after she said she wasn't asleep yet she was kind of starting to drift to sleep, and that's when she said she the dog started barking and she heard what she thought was a car in her driveway <laughs> and what's important about that, and it's important you go to the website and look at the aerial photo um is you know her drive her house sits 200 feet back off the road. It's way back there. So like for her to hear a car in her driveway would mean somebody's like pulled significantly far off the road up by her house. Mm-hmm. So somewhere we don't know what time that was. Was it was it 940? Was it 950? We don't know. It was sometime after 930 is all we know. So the dog okay. barks. She hears what she believes is a car in her driveway and immediately jumped out of bed, ran to the front of the house and looked out the out the window. And there was nothing there. No car, no headlights, no taillights. And so as I mentioned, like – so like she even began kind of questioning her own reality. You can also see in the aerial photo that there's not any obstruction, you know, for a, a wide angle, like to the east towards the Friedley House, to the west towards uh, um, uh, Jeroboa Street and all that. Like she can see a long ways down the road in both directions from her, from her window in the front of her house. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing there, no taillights, no headlights, no car. And so she says, I thought I must have imagined it. She lays back down in bed, and then she doesn't really give a time uh, that I recall hearing uh, as far as when the next thing happened, but said she had laid back down in bed, and then it happened again. Not so much that she heard a car, but she heard the dogs barking, and then the the donkeys started baying, and the horses started stampeding, which those are in the front of her house. I believe that the corral where the horses and donkeys were are between her house and the road, um, and the donkeys and horses are going crazy, and that's when she said – She went out and she saw the fire and then it's and then again, we don't know how much time passes. She goes down to the scene and the fire trucks are already there. So then she thought, well, that first time she heard a car in the driveway must have been the fire trucks. Hmm. Um, But again, for a couple of reasons, we know that it wasn't for starters. They came from the other direction. Uh, They didn't pass the house and and miss it. And also, again, she says she immediately jumped up and looked out the window and there was nothing there in the front of the house.
3: Nothing there, and she had a view and couldn't and would have seen the fire at that time and didn't.
1: Yeah, well, no, looking out her window towards the front, I don't think she would have seen the fire. So, so, so her house is, you know, Alpine Drive runs east to west.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Her house is north of that. So right. she went and looked in the south-facing windows, which is where her driveway is and also okay. where Alpine the south Road facing is. the south-facing
3: window. Got it. I thought you said to yeah. the east, so I got confused. Yeah, no,
1: it was the second time she went out and she looked. So the Friedley house is to the west.
3: I was going to say, that time. wouldn't make sense either. If she went out to the east, she still wouldn't yeah, see yeah. anything.
1: Yeah, the second time she went out and that's when she saw the fire. Because by that point, dep- well, we don't know what t- what time it is, but if the fire trucks are already on scene, then we're talking after 10, 12 p.m., uh, by that point, it wasn't just the fire coming out of the peak. The whole house was engulfed in flames by then, because right. you know, the fire department said the house was fully engulfed when they arrived. Hmm. So by then, the whole house was a giant fire. Uh, and she saw she saw the fire then, mm-hmm. but she didn't notice a fire or anything the first time.
3: Right. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VDW. Void report prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
3: uh ellen wonders is jackie still around and able to be contacted today to not that necessarily she's going to have a better memory so but you know it's always nice she, if you can have those she is
1: one of those people that i've been i've been desperately trying to get a hold of um you know i think i found her on facebook i friend requested her there sent messages there uh, found uh, what I thought were good email addresses for her. And those both got returned undeliverable. Uh found a few phone numbers for her um, and had uh, two different people that actually answered the call. Well, called me back both of them uh, only to say, I don't know who Jackie is. This has been my phone number for 20 years, but it's it's not, mm. they don't know a Jackie. Um, so I bet I haven't been able to get a hold, a hold of her either because I have questions for you. Like, for example, you know, I'd like to know, you know, the beha- I don't know the behavior of her horses and donkeys or her right. dog. Like I would like, does your dog bark when people, you know, I have, a you know, one of my German shepherds will bark if a tumbleweed rolls by, like, mm-hmm. like will bark at anything. Or, you know, do her dog, does her dog bark? Did it bark if someone just drove down the road? Would that only bark if somebody was in their driveway or somebody close by? Um, Could have been a good are-
3: question to ask in the moment. By- yes. Yeah, yes. exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and so she's one of those people that I'm trying to get a hold of. And if I do, even if so, understand this too. Even if we end the season and move on to the next one, if I'm like able to get a hold of Jackie at some point and do an interview with her, mm-hmm. then I will come back and report that. Um, right? You know, you know, or or air if she if we do like a recorded interview, air and stuff because the, like I, I very badly want to talk to Jackie yeah. for a lot of reasons.
3: Um this may be answered by the uh the diagram that you posted, but just in case, um Fiona says, could the vehicle that Jackie heard be Barbara Wright arriving home?
1: I don't think so. Um and again, these are questions I'd want to ask. So uh if you look on that diagram, you can see Barbara Wright's route, which she uh took Jeroboa up to Alpine and then turned left on Santa um or St. Bernard down to her house. That is well before you get to Jackie's house, so it would be. And again, the fact that she says she heard what she thought was a car in her driveway, presumably she knows what the sound of a car driving down the road is. What she heard was close,
3: right? And if Barbara's but, coming home on a regular basis, that wouldn't seem like an unusual sound if it was her.
1: Yeah. Again, also not close. I mean, just looking. So I, I know I had I had measured from the crime scene from the Friedley house to Jackie's house was about three hundred yards. Uh, so that would make probably 150 yards away is the closest that uh barbara's car ever came to the house mm-hmm. yeah i would give or take yeah yeah um and i'm just estimating by looking at the at the photo and the scale that i have um but no i don't i don't i don't think so i think that, and again that's why i want to talk to her that's a to me that's very distinct also by the way she would look i mean i guess the timing wise maybe barbara would have already been like in her driveway by then but like she can look right down the barrel of St. Bernard Street from her front window. Hmm. Like she would see the car there, you know, and, and I guess there could be a timing issue there. But yeah, it, it's I don't think you mistake a car that far away driving down the road as thinking someone's in your driveway.
3: Yeah. OK, so uh, th- that brings me to Aliyah and Emma, who both have kind of similar questions about um what that would mean otherwise and 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 does that mean that it would have had to have been a car with their lights off, even though we've sort of had the conversation establishing how difficult it would be to be driving with your lights off is the idea that it's just at it's based on the conversations just we've just now been having about windows that it would have been something about the sound played off of like it's happening in an area that sounds like it could be your front yard, but it is behind her house, but she didn't see any headlights. I mean, I think that's like, there's a lot swirling around there with, yeah. you know, why so, so wouldn't uh-huh. she, if she heard it, why wouldn't she have seen where it was and could it have had its lights off and what would that mean?
1: So this is my hypothesis on this. It, it, and I, I say this knowing that there are people out there that that would be like, well, that's laughable and you're just trying to start. But, but when, when I'm putting all this together, this is what makes sense to me. And that's all this is, is what makes sense to me. When she said she heard a car in her driveway, what would make her think it's in her driveway? To me, what would make it, you know, because I live out in the country, you know, what would make me think a car was in my driveway is that I could hear tires going over gravel or something very close to to my house, not not on the road. There's a distinct different sound. Yes, it's something driving on the road and some of that I that is very very close. Her going out and yeah, so if we're if we're talking about a car with the headlights off, cars with headlights off still have taillights, you know, mm-hmm. brake lights, you know mm-hmm. she she saw nothing um I, I i i I don't think that that would have been missed. It also presents problems for the state again because if that was you know what people are presenting, well, that could have been Robert and Christian leaving. see, there's evidence they'd left in a car. Well, Bodmer's drive test went the other way down Palm Canyon. Where he barely made that time. So if, if that's your theory, then that means that Bodmer's drive test once again is invalid because it would mean they went the other direction and then pulled into a driveway and turned around, um, which would slow the whole time thing down and go a different route. Um, but to me, what I'm looking at is is a series of events. The first time, what alerted her? Just her dogs. Not the donkeys, not the horses. Where are the donkeys and horses? They're in the front of the house,
4: close mm-hmm. to
3: the road. Mm-hmm.
1: So we have two elements there, to me, that indicate what she heard was not in the front of the house. One, the fact that she immediately jumped up and looked and there was nothing there. Yeah. Two, the horses and donkeys, which do get wound up over stuff, weren't making noise in that instance. And they were in the front of the house. So then that leads me to the what I think is the logical conclusion that what she probably heard was something behind her house, and if you look at that crime scene photo, like there's nothing there. People could leave through the desert and go. And I also want to point out in the episode, I cringed when I was listening back to it because at the end I said it could have been in a car or even an SUV. What I meant to say was, or even an ATV.
3: Okay, uh, yeah. yeah, We were yeah, wondering about is, that.
1: Is what I meant. Yeah. Um, but th- that's what makes sense to me. Is if something was so close to her that she thought that it was in her driveway but there wasn't anything in her driveway then the logical conclusion that i'm left with is that it was someone behind her house in a, in a vehicle which then when you kind of break things down with with the crime you know cars coming from all directions between the between the fire trucks and and Tim and Jim and Barbara where she was driving where she was looking like there was no car on the road nobody saw a car on the road where could it have you know, what could it have been what makes sense to me, which I've been saying for a long time, is I think that the killers probably are from the neighborhood and they probably left through the desert. So for me, with all that considered, my theory is that what she heard was very likely the killers leaving the crime scene through the desert behind her house. Whether And, and again, what I want to talk to her about is what did you hear, right? So she right. said she thought it was a car in the driveway. Is that because you heard a motor? Right. Or right. is it because you heard gravel shuffling around? And like will she tires? even remember this this long? Yeah. Incident. Luckily, the you know these usually with cognitive interviews, um, things like that, like sounds and stuff like that, they, they do tend to stick in your memory a little bit. But like these are questions that I wish the investigator had asked. Now this is very early in investigation. I actually don't even fault them for not you know digging into this, but especially because the way she presented, I missed it too the first time, which was, oh yeah, I heard something pull in my driveway. Then I came out. I'm like, oh the fire. Oh, it was the fire trucks. You know, mm-hmm. so very likely. You know, the, the investigator thought, oh well, shared fire trucks, no big deal. That is, that's not helpful. But when you start breaking down the details of what she said, again, if what she heard was a motor, you know, a car with a motor, then maybe we're looking for an SUV or something like that. If she just heard like gravel crack, you know, like what you would hear, like if you just heard like a very quiet car driving, but it's like crunching gravel and stuff as it's driving, that could very easily have been a couple of people running through the desert behind it. Mean, we've been back mm-hmm. in that area, you know, it's, it's all sand and rocks and gravel and all kinds of good. There's been people just running back through there and she just heard that sound and thought, it. so I, I don't know. Those are questions that we need to answer. And yeah. again, that's, so that's why I'm not saying like, that's what happened. This is proof that this is, that the sound was behind her house. I'm just trying to explain to you my train of thought. It's not that I'm trying to wedge something in to make something fit. To me, the logical conclusion is the sound was in the front or the sound was close. She thought it was in the front. She saw nothing, heard nothing up there. The donkeys and horses weren't bothered by it. Only the dog was, which was in the back, in her bedroom with her. Mm. That to me indicates that probably the sound was not in front of the house. It was in the back. What do, what do you guys think?
3: I mean, I think it's really interesting. I just feel like there's, like to your point, there are so many variables. I guess I'm not even willing. I'm not totally willing to even commit that this is significant necessarily. Like, I, I but I but I I mean, it seems. Totally plausible on one hand. But on the other hand, I just feel like there are a lot of variables. And, you know, like I would I think yeah, I would want to know, you know, it's a hot night. Is she someone who sleeps with her windows open? If she right. has windows open to the back, then it seems to me that she would pretty quickly identify that the sound she was hearing was in the back. But if she has the windows open in the front, close to the driveway, that's where she would hear the sound coming from. And right. that would sound like it was coming from the front because that's where the sound picked it up. So I certainly know that I will go towards the sound thinking it's in one direction. But in reality, all I'm walking towards is the window that allows that sound to get in. Right. And the sound is coming Very from somewhere point. else altogether. So, yeah. but I just, but I just have so many questions and you're saying the same thing. I just have so many questions about all of this that it, it, it's hard for me to commit to anything. And I'm not saying you are.
1: Yeah. And there's another element to it too, in the fact that she's half asleep. Right. Right. So like. Conscious.
3: If she is, I mean, did she say that or was she just like, I lay down on my bed? Okay. Okay. Yeah, she
1: said I was like half asleep, uh, but not Mm -hmm. fully asleep yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, conscious me is like, I hear the sound coming from this way. I'm going to go check this way. Right. Half asleep me hears a sound and my brain tells me, oh, it must be somebody in the driveway. Maybe I I didn't even uh, assign a direction to it. Right. Right. But, you know, it's, and I saw somebody in the chat um, also said that it seemed either way seems kind of insignificant. It depends on the timing. I I don't think it's insignificant. I don't think it's anything we're going to be able to, like, prove anything with. Right. But I don't think it's insignificant. If this sound she heard was at the time the killers were leaving, because we know the killers were there till at least 946. So if if the sound she heard was at the time the killers were leaving, I I think it could be – I say hugely significant in the fact that it could have been the killers fleeing – Insignificant. I'll agree in the fact that I don't think there's any way to prove it because of right. these variables. Now, if I am able to talk to Jackie and maybe she says the same thing, like says, yeah, well, I always slept with the front window open and maybe – and I didn't hear a motor. I just heard something, you know, in the gravel or something like that. You know, if we get some more details, it may narrow things down a little bit. Certainly, it's not going to be enough to convince somebody that already thinks that they're guilty or and it's not going to be enough to prove to a court that they're not. Right? Yeah. Um, so, but it's.
3: But I do want to, per- yeah, and and shout out to a couple of folks in the chat. I, th- my experience with ATVs, which I admit is limited to being around them but not being on them. I do feel like they have a totally different sound. Like I've never heard like a quiet ATV. In my experience, an ATV is like super obnoxiously loud, or it's not on at all. Um, well, but uh- I could be totally wrong. I could be. I, I
2: think that's what Bob is trying to get at. Is it's not necessarily about it's. He wants to know what she heard. Was right, it an yes. engine noise or was it gravel? Yeah. Because if yeah. it's an engine noise, it, it, there is definitely is a difference between a car and an ATV. Yeah. But if it's gravel, there's not. Right. Yeah. But and also that's a big to, difference to that
1: point, and I had a conversation with somebody on Facebook about this too. Uh, to that point, not all ATVs sound the same, right? So I've I've had a number of them over the years, and some of them are like with two-stroke motors in them that sound like a weed eater going down the road. Uh, and there are some that are four-stroke motors that are, you know, designed for, like, trail riding and racing that are, are pretty loud. And then there are some of them that I've had that are for, like, working that we use for, like, hunting and stuff that are pretty damn quiet. My mm, my okay. ATV that's out in the – right behind us right now in the garage mm-hmm. is very quiet. It would sound like a car driving down down the road. Um, so, so, yeah. And, and And so that's a possibility, too. It's also dark, though. It's hard to – and then people have said, well, what if they were just wearing like a headlamp? Would that be, would that be seen? Maybe there's a, there's a bit of a difference between a car driving down the road with headlights and a small headlamp way back in the desert away from the crime scene that maybe it wouldn't, you know, the same principle kind of applies, right? It's very dark. So a light is going to stick out. But if all eyes are over here on the crime scene at the fire right, and then someone way over here, there's just a little headlight or a flashlight, it, it. It's poss- It's it's always a possibility.
2: Well, I, I think it's very plausible, but I, I I think you hit on something earlier that let's say this isn't an ATV. Let's say this is a vehicle that is turning around her driveway. That still throws a huge monkey wrench in the timing of the drive. Like it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Yeah. If, if that is a vehicle leaving the Freedleys and turning around in Jackie's driveway or stopping in Jackie's driveway and then going back down the hill, you're adding time to something that is already very improbable on its own yeah now you're making it longer and still trying to fit it to your narrative yeah. i just don't see it
1: yeah no i don't either and, and and to that point i point out somebody was in the chat saying that oh bob's been saying there was no evidence of a vehicle on the scene and now we have this and he's trying to spin it which is exactly what i expected someone to say sure um but that first of all i'm not say saying that i i i don't know what we're, what we're dealing with here but what zach said is also very relevant like as I said at the beginning of this conversation, if your theory is that's Robert and Christian leaving, well, you have bigger problems now, if that's right. the case. You know, so there there's a lot to it. I'm and again, that's the the reason why I broke down the logic and what I'm saying is is I'm not just trying to wedge something in. That logic makes sense to me. And I'm not gonna repeat it all again, but again, without without the, the donkeys and horses the first time, there's no car, she doesn't see anything, there's no headlights, no taillights, you know, that that it doesn't make sense to me that there was actually a car in their driveway, or she would have saw it. And she seems to agree too, because it was so odd to her that there wasn't a car that she yes. thought she must have imagined it.
3: Fair, yes, that's a in, that's a very interesting key piece of this that br- mm-hmm. it makes it so much more of a puzzle. Again, I'm sorry to harp on this. I. I understand that we've been hard on law enforcement, but it was very difficult for me to hear that guy say, ah, I can't think of anything else to ask you when she yeah. had just laid so many breadcrumbs that I would have been, that all of those questions could have been answered then. Tell me more about this yeah. car you heard. We, this is a major crime that's just happened. We don't know who did it. You think you heard something. Let's get, let's drill down into that a little bit more. How, where were your windows? What did you hear? What, what makes your animals uh, freak out? I, it's just, I understand. What time I'm, it's was a, it? I'm, it's a, it's a, you know, know postgame quarterback thing but i yeah. just that's that's a hard that's hard because there are a lot of things you could have asked um and i understand they didn't come to you in the moment but that is just it just feels really it could have been really important so that's yeah. one of the things that's frustrating to me um d- remind us did jackie so jackie was just there she was there she didn't she wasn't one of the people that came home at some point she was just there
1: yeah she was there and went to bed about 9 30.
3: Okay. Um and so uh, Corinne and uh, and one of our wonderful Teresas um just are sort of had a little bit of a conversation on uh, on on the the Facebook about um feeling trouble like Corinne feeling a little bit troubled that she that Jackie could hear something like two people calling to each other you know her neighbors calling to each other in an in some other circumstance where she could actually hear them not yelling at each other but yelling towards each other like and yeah. then not hearing something as dramatic as, you know, this crime happening or gunshots or something like that and just being kind of troubled by that.
1: That's a good thing. We've addressed this before, but it's worth addressing again now um, because, again, the, what keeps coming up is, you know, in the in the the effort to try to make – leave open a possibility for there to have been a car here Well, nobody heard a gunshot. So, I, and obviously, we know gunshots happen, but I, I can't stress, again, enough how – like these – The way sound travels and the way insulated buildings obstruct sound and what's going on are are, like, I would not expect if John and Vicky were shot inside the house. And then Jackie is three because she was home, right? 300 yards away. She's in her. So first of all, the gunshots will be muffled because they are inside an insulated house, which is also soundproofing. So they're already muffled. And then that sound travels 300 yards through the pinion pine trees and everything in the desert that is all deadening the sound on its way there. Then it hits the outside of her insulated house mm-hmm. before it then gets to inside where she's at. That's like, if if you were sitting in a quiet room and there was nothing going on, you might've heard something. Maybe, didn't, maybe wouldn't identify it as gunshots, but you would have heard some kind of pop. Mm. Also, it doesn't sound like, hearing gunshots is an odd thing out there, but again, the, but now add in something as simple as the TV was on. Mm. Right. So so
3: it's before you, yeah, before you go to bed, you could have other sounds happening that would yeah. obscure that. And then when and you're lying it, down, going to sleep, you're
1: yeah. exactly. And, and, and again, and I, I should point out to you, it's not just like people for one reason, or like some people just genuinely like how did nobody hear the gunshot? So that's, that's how I, and, and Zach, of course, this is, this is kind of your field of expertise. Like what, in these circumstances, would you if if John and Vicky are shot inside that house with a twelve gauge, and also by the way the forty caliber at point blank range that awful also muffles the sound, mm-hmm. but the twelve gauge would be
2: loud. It would it would be extremely loud. Yeah, I, I don't think that sound would carry as far as you would believe it would. Yeah, and at that distance you I don't know that you would even recognize it as a shot. Yeah, and then when you have the two house so for example our our studio here the
1: way our studio is soundproofed is because we have a uh, an insulated exterior wall, a one foot air gap, and then a second insulated wall. And that makes it so that if somebody is mowing the lawn with a lawn mower one foot outside that wall, we can't hear it in here mm-hmm. because you have two layers of insulation that it has to get through. Uh, that's why studios are built this way. Uh, and that's exactly it, it's it's on a grander scale. It's built out. It, but there's because there's three hundred yards in between them. But again, the sound has to get out of an insulated wall through space and through another insulated wall. Um, So it's it's his point being, it's not surprising at all that that nobody heard the gunshots. Right. No, it doesn't surprise me at all.
3: Um, uh, Joanne, I agree with you. One of the really upsetting things about listening to this um, episode was just imagining those dogs and how sweet and wonderful Jackie was to say, you know, I'll take them. I'll take both. Um, And hearing that one of the dogs wouldn't leave. house um that was heartbreaking and you know as dog owners those of us who are dog owners like the dogs have been absent in most of these conversations because we just don't know much about what happened other than that they probably got out of the house and were running around and um Mm -hmm. it's i mean of course it's not more tragic than what happened of course it's not so please don't twist my words But it was very heartbreaking to hear that. And I thought it was very sweet of Jackie to say, like, you know, she's clearly an animal person and she was ready to take on those pups. And I, I, I thought that was very special and very sad.
1: Yeah. And from what I understand, she did. She did end up taking the dogs.
3: Good. That's
0: great.
4: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code, program. Um, so uh,
3: some talk about the red truck and whether that timing could work. Um, I saw Nick mentioned it in the chat, in the YouTube chat. Um, I think uh, that's also a question from Kathy a little bit, just sort of wondering, um, would that timing work? And also, if the timing works, um, like where generally where would where would someone be headed like where would you be headed if you were behind jackie's house like where would you even go
1: so first of all the timing um somebody made a good post i don't remember who it was made a good post about this and was asking a lot of good questions about it there's two, uh, again we have all these unknowns so uh, regarding timing so like one one t- one the one time that we that we have to work with well, we have a couple times we know the fire trucks got on the scene at 10 12 p.m now you should be able to backtrack that in a normal circumstance. Say, well, if they got there at ten twelve, how long of a drive is at the fire station? Say it's twelve minutes to get to the fire station. So it was, you know, they would have got to that intersection around Buckthorn, uh, say around ten oh five, and then you could look at, oh, well, well, the killers couldn't have left any earlier than nine forty six. Uh, so could they have been? And that timing works. But then throw in. The fire captain Captain Williams says the first calls came in at 9:40 there was three calls they got in the truck and they headed to the scene and and they were already en route when the dispatch came in uh which was at like 10:53 I think was when that was when 911 finally did, I think the call came in at 9:51 they were dispatched at 9:53 he said they were already on their way at that point we don't know exactly when because he didn't get on the radio and say we're en route to the, to the fire, which I also find very strange. I don't know what they're because th- that's happened to us before when I was on the fire department. You know, sometimes like you'd, you'd get a call, you know, directly to the station saying, hey, something's on fire, which it would normally go through dispatch. It would get in the truck. But the first thing we would do is, you know, I'd be in the captain's seat and get on the radio and say, you know, dispatch from engine 20. We're in right to run route to a structure fire at da 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 address. Can you strike an alarm for blah, blah, blah or whatever? He didn't do that. But he says they were already en route when the call came in. So we have this variable at the beginning. Then we know he gets there at 1012. It's maybe a 10 or 12-minute drive to the fire station. But they also got stuck on the way. How stuck? How long were they stuck? How long did it take them to get unstuck? Because right. from him, so he's saying by 9.45, they're en route. And then it took them 27 minutes to get there, if, if his timing is right. So were they stuck for 15 minutes? Where did they get stuck you know like these were all questions that weren't there weren't answered. so it's a long answer to the 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 shorter answer which is we we don't know could it work could could somebody have left the scene which kind of leads us to the second part of that question if somebody was behind Jackie's house where could they be going uh, well if you look at that aerial map you see like Barbara Wright's house there uh if someone left the crime scene went behind Jackie's house and went just another hundred two hundred yards further. To the east, which would be the bottom of that photo, uh, than what we see in the photo, you come to where Jeroboam uh, tees into or, or dead ends into Alpine, and then there's a little drive that goes up, there's a little turnaround area, and then there's there's trails that go all back through there. So someone could have left a vehicle right there, walked in through the desert behind the houses, committed the crime, walk or run back, get in the truck there. And go and they would head straight down Jeroboa, and because of where the 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 confron- the the confront conflict came in with the red truck and the fire truck, it's so far south of the neighborhood, regardless of kind of which route they took to get out of there, they could have still got to that place. So like they could have left down Jeroboa and confronted the fire trucks in that same spot or they could have left down Palm Canyon and done the same thing or they could have left down Chillin uh, Heights and done the same thing because I just tease it into um, – uh, Jeroboa on the side of the road. So there, there are there are a lot of possibilities. Could it work? Yeah. Can we? The, the reason you haven't heard me harp on the red truck very much is because I just there's, there's, it was too far away for me to say it was absolutely connected. And there are too many variables to know if the timing works. There, there are too many unknown problems here uh, to know, which I know is kind of par for the course in this case. But you know, when you have the fact that they got stuck it wasn't documented when they were when they got the calls what they wasn't documented when they left the station all these things add up to i don't know maybe yeah. it could have happened yeah. but at the same time i do acknowledge cuz a lot of people will get on it will 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 get mad at me and be like how can we say the red truck doesn't matter it was a car fl-. i agree it's it it would be a hell of a coincidence that on the night of a triple homicide and structure fire a vehicle driving in the opposite direction of it sees a fire truck coming and doesn't pull over, doesn't get out of the way, but is in such a hurry to get out of the neighborhood that they almost run them off the road. Absolutely, that's a, that's a hell of a coincidence, and it very likely could have something to do with the crime. But there's so many variables, you know. Again, I've never, I've, I've yet to see any evidence that a car left the scene, but could they have been parked down on the end of Jeroboam? Maybe. Mm -hmm. could they've been parked the other way that you know jackie's thing the thing at jackie's house is a red herring and they were parked by palm canyon maybe like you've been out there janet you see like there's it's so desolate out there there's so many places you could put a car and walk through the desert there's just all the there's there's just a lot of unknowns
3: yeah so moving into some of the other people in the area uh Lynn says, and this is a bit tongue in cheek, Lynn says, was Harpo really such a celebrity that fans would have invaded the neighborhood if they knew he lived there, which was part of the conversation with Jackie um, saying, you know, he's he's very well known in the area. And then um, naturally, Kathy and and Vanessa and and I'm sure other folks are wondering uh, if if you've talked to or tried to talk to Harpo.
1: I haven't yet. I, I sent. Well, I did send an email to like through his Facebook page. Or his website, there was an email address, and I sent a couple emails um, to him and never heard back. That said, I was just asking somebody – because one of our listeners did have contact with him and talked to him, uh, but it was a while back when we were in the middle of doing something else. And um, it, and now now I'm at a point where I would like to talk to him because uh, apparently they had he agreed that he would talk to me, and I can't remember who it was that, that had that contact info. So if you're listening to this – and you were the one who was like, hey, Bob, I talked to Harpo and he's willing to talk to you. Message me again, please, uh, mm-hmm. because I would like to talk to him before we wrap this up.
3: Great. Well, here's hoping. Um, I'm just going to uh, – we we're, I think we're running a little, little bit long in that I still have um, a few more questions to ask. But there were some posts. I want to acknowledge Jessica and um, Kate, as always, um, and Eris um, and Aaron kind of – Pulling the spotlight back over to Ron for a moment. Um, Still lots of questions about the settlement. Obviously, that's something that is highlighted once again in um, these conversations we've been having and in the work that you've been doing. Um, Questions about whether the Ellis has had some sort of relationship to Ron. Um, There's just a lot of questions still around that. And I didn't know if you wanted to um, dig into any of that or if those are just big question marks for now.
1: They're just question marks for now. and I, th- I think it's best we leave it at that unless we get answers to those questions.
3: Okay. Understood. Thanks for those questions, guys. Um, Rebecca said, and Rebecca, I think you were in the chat last week and I didn't get a chance to address this but because uh, this is a familiar question to me, but um, Rebecca says, do you know how quickly the media was on the crime scene or on the scene?
1: I think they were there that night. I know for sure they were there early the next day, um, but I, I don't know exactly when they showed up, but I... I believe they were there on the scene like while it was still dark out. I think I've seen photos that have, you know, like the fire trucks and stuff. And there's like news trucks kind of off in the background already, which is uh, pretty typical. I mean, over the, my years at the fire department, they, they listen to the scanners, uh, most of the news agencies. So, like, I don't think I've ever been to a major fire where by the time I came out after, you know, my first, t- m- you know, my first air air bottle inside the house fighting the fire when I came out and they weren't already there.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. That's what they do. Um And Kristen, I'm so glad you uh, asked this question. I don't know how this falls into the conversation we've had about your inability to get certain 911 records. I know you mentioned it a little bit in the episode, but all I could think was what Kristen asked when you were talking about that angle, which was, are the number of 911 calls that were made that day a typical number for Pinion Pines?
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... And, and and by the way, I haven't just like requested nine hundred one records. Like I've I've re- I've I've made, and then people on my behalf have made uh, multiple open records requests, and they're just not open to sharing that information, uh, any information. It seems yeah to think, with this case. Yeah, so I feel like that's very California,
3: also, right? Just in addition yeah. to not wanting to release something that might make you look bad. Yeah, or whatever,
1: it I mean. could be, but um, but you know, the, he said that he pulled records for a week. And then out of that week, all we have is the three on that day and then the one on Friday. So it seems like it was an odd day, which, again, is something kind of what to Zach's point earlier, like the, the idea of them not talking to the Ellis brothers and not thinking like something like if that was an odd day that all of this was going on, like as the murders were happening in the neighborhood on that very day, it's even more reason to look in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. If it's like, yeah, we're always out there for you know we're always out there 10 times a day. No, it, it was par for the course. But if it's like no, normally we're not out there at all, and on that day we had to go out there three times, and then someone ended up murdered, you know, and, and an arson. Like you, you start, you start knocking on doors,
3: right? Well, I saw someone in the chat earlier say, "I don't know why you keep saying that." No one talked to the neighbors; they talked to four neighbors.
1: <laughs> yeah, they talked to the four neighbors that were there at the scene, and then didn't ask any 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 more questions beyond that, like. One glaring question that is the reason that there's a, such a hot debate. One of the reasons it's a hot debate over this is no one was ever asked, did you see a car leaving or did you see any people leaving? Like that, that question was never asked of those four neighbors, much less anybody else in the neighborhood.
3: Yeah. Sorry to raz you for, for those of you who in, in the chat were saying that, but to me that stood out just because – Quite frankly, that's not all the neighbors and there were just so many questions that weren't asked. So that that's a difficult piece for me to move past.
2: I, j- I just still have a hard time with, I mean, I, I know we've, we're beating this, but I still have a hard time with that. Why they're literally called for somebody threatening to shoot somebody else and they do not even ponder questioning
1: them. Yeah. And like I said in the episode, I don't think Sydney Smith had anything to do with this. Right. Mm-hmm. But what they knew- Is that there was a man in Pinion Pines threatening to shoot and kill three different people two hours before all this happened. Don't you think you'd at least want to talk to that guy? And again, I. I,
3: Maybe, maybe they did. Maybe they did and they just didn't disclose that and put it into discovery.
1: I keep seeing people. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That well, I don't, know. I don't, I don't know how to respond to that other than the, and I know you're kind of repeating some of the sentiment of other people. Like, well, maybe they did talk to, the, but n- I, 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 there's no evidence they did, right? And what a hell of a thing to leave out of your case file that, oh yeah, we did. By the way, we cleared all these people, and uh, we never, met. and then at trial when they're hammered about the fact that they didn't interview any of the neighbors or canvas the neighborhood, none of them said, you know. Uh, you know, Ikel and Leclaire, and but like none of those people said, oh, we did. It's just not. Yeah, we did talk to those people. Right. They never said that. They instead right. said all the reasons why they didn't.
3: Right. Kate wants to know a little bit more. I, I think it's um, I don't know if you posted a, a, a the the location the approximate location of the the meth party or not um on Facebook. I can't remember, but Kate was curious about. Uh, how close the address that was checked for the meth party was uh, to the crime scene?
1: In a straight line, it was a mile and three quarters away. It was so if you look at the map, of the crime scene. I tried to describe this in the episode, but Pinion Pines is kind of like if you take two squares mm-hmm. and they're offset from each other a mm-hmm. little bit. And so, like one slightly, the top one's off to the left a little bit, the bottom one's off to the right. Mm-hmm. That meth party was down in the bottom square, way over to the right, over to the east from mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it was. know, a a, a two or three minute drive up to the crime scene, a mile and three quarter, you know, straight shot down there. So it wasn't like up in the big area, like when we're talking about like neighbors that didn't get interviewed and the aerial photo I have up here doesn't really demonstrate that that well, but Alpine Drive was, yes, quite desolate. But when you go south, like if you go directly south of the crime scene where like Tim Summerly lived, there are several houses there on those cross streets there that cross between Uh, uh, Chillin Heights and Palm Canyon. There's a series of, I think, three roads right there. And there are several houses on all three of those roads that have a view of the crime scene and have a view of the two routes out of the neighborhood. Uh, so like those, those are the people that should have been, should have been interviewed and should have been, should have been talked to aside from the further questions that we had from, from everybody else. Um, but this, that meth house that was way down in the south end of the neighborhood, southeast end of the neighborhood.
3: Okay. Uh, I just want to acknowledge, uh, Casey, your post um, was a bit of a longer one. And I, I kind of feel like we covered the majority of it through other questions or just through discussions that have come up. But I want to thank you for your time and effort in um, in your post. And uh, it's fully appreciated. Um, Suki, I also want to acknowledge you asking a little bit more about the ATV stuff. I kind of feel like we have covered that as well. But, uh, but I'll just end with, with the sort of part of Suki's post that still stands out to me which is you know just wondering how much stuff these people would have to carry out with them um how much do we really know about what they would have carried the out killers. with them other than weapons yeah uh, and how feasible that would be on foot versus like needing a vehicle just to get what you brought in out with you or whatever
4: I
1: think the only thing that we know that they had was a shotgun and a pistol yeah right so and that could be obviously if you're on foot that's pretty easy to handle uh, even on an ATV or a bike or anything like that, um, would would be easy to you know the 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 pistol of course can just tuck in your waistband and you hold hold a shotgun. Um, one thing that has always came up for me is the shoe, Becky's shoe that's missing, which I always maintain like the only logical place for that shoe to have been is in the house.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that she lost it in the house. It certainly wasn't you know if she was killed out in the desert were in a struggle the way the state says she. Did, think that she would be out there. If it wasn't, then that, then then we, what, the offenders then picked up the shoe with her, carried it back in the wheelbarrow with her, but then took it out of the wheelbarrow and then carried it off home with the, you know, left with right, it? Right, right. Yeah, so it's, it's a weird thing. To me, you know, it seems logical that the shoe came off inside the the house somewhere. But that would be the only other thing we know they carried, right? The two guns. Yeah. And if you believe they took the shoe with them.
3: Yeah. Um uh, Lori I've seen your posts um uh asking many times about the uh there was someone who posted uh rather than the person who we hoped had would come on or a person we hoped would come on for a, a conversation. Um I know that there was a post on the Facebook page sort of recapping reasons why um someone might believe that the the that these two were guilty, that Robert and Christian are guilty. I have not read it. Um I did not know that it had been posted. Um so I don't have anything to contribute to that. Is there any comment that you would like to make about it?
1: No, I went. I I looked through it a little bit. It's basically the state's argument.
3: Okay, so for anyone up. who feels like it's very significant and it's bringing up new information or anything that is falls outside of what you have already covered and um, dismissed through facts or or what have you, um, you didn't nothing I, I like would, that. Came I up would you. tell
2: everybody that's on the Facebook group to please go read it. I think it's would be an important read. I think there's information in there that you can assess yourself and see what we have worked on and what Bob has worked on through this season and, and kind of come up with your own conclusion. But I, I definitely agree that everybody should go read it regardless of how. You
3: yeah, I definitely will. Stance. But I can't bring anything to this right now because I didn't know about yeah. it. Okay. That's um, that's pretty much what I've got for this week. Do you know where we're going next week?
1: Yeah. Uh, I know we're part of where we're going next week. It's another, um, it's another lead that came up. Uh, it's actually a few years after you know the after the case was cold. Um, there, there was a, a lead that came in and a couple of interviews about it, and um, a couple other people that I want that I want to touch on. Basically, it's going to be from what we have now, any alternate suspect information that we have. If nothing else breaks, I'm still going to continue to be working on trying to get a hold of Jackie and Tiffany. Uh, and Harpo, if whoever heard that, uh, remembers to, uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: or hears this and reminds mm-hmm. me of, of who they were so that I can get hold of them. Um, right. and so with that, I think that we are good for this week's Friday follow-up. Sounds good. All right. Sorry. They said we're getting used to doing these in the evenings and for us, it's like nine 30 and we're fine.
3: Like
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <nodding laughs> so
1: yeah. We'll get back around. All right. So yeah. Uh, tune in on Sunday and we'll have more to talk about next week.
3: Thanks everybody. Bye.
1: and justice is an nbi studios production and is distributed by wondering edited by kelly Barron's brink and all music for the show was created by put them in a our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by tate krupa of red swan graphic design you can find more of tate's work on etsy Thank you to Katie Ross of createdintandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, truthandjusticepod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Wood-Yomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind the scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice justice you can also do us a huge favor by going to itunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review and lastly you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program if you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons you can submit your cases on our website to truthandjusticepod.com just click on the case submission button and fill out the form and the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations you can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at you can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24 7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269 224 2833. However, you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver.
3: And I'm Janet Varney.
1: And this has been Truth and Justice
3: yeah sorry i'm so sorry bob so sorry
2: yeah um you fucked that all up
3: i really did i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i started talking before like the delay caused me to realize that you were talking I was like, I freaked uh, out because I saw this super chat and I was like, and of course we'll address super chats as soon as we sign off. And then I was like, here. oh shit, so, yeah. he's signing off. Even as I'm saying these words, he's trying to fucking sign off. So I apologize.
1: <laughs> okay. So Kelly will reset here.
3: Sorry, Kelly. Love you, Kelly. <laughs> all
1: right. And tune in on Sunday and we'll got more to talk about next week. And yeah, I am not, I fucked that
3: So sorry. This is all on me.
1: All right. So yeah, tune in on Sunday and we'll have more to talk about next week. And, uh, yeah. no, I mean, no, <laughs>
2: good. on Truth and Justice. you guys say bye.
1: Thanks, everybody. Okay, it stopped the record. (laughs) Jesus
3: Christ. (laughs) Sorry.
4: Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting.